I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by Working Actor Pro. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Before the Break. This week, we are so lucky to be joined by our guest. He's been seen on such TV shows as FBI and The Carrie Diaries and on Broadway in Sunday in the Park with George, Torch Song, and Bonnie and Clyde. But he can currently be seen in the new HBO Max series, The Gilded Age, as well as the Broadway revival of Stephen Sondheim's company. Please welcome to the show, Claiborne Elder. Hi, Clay. Hi there. How are you guys? Good, good. Good. Welcome to the show. Thank Clay's you. Clay's coming live from his dressing room. True. <laughs> Love it. <That> true. Great. <laughs> um, thanks for being here, Clay. We, uh, we're excited to talk with you. Yeah. Why don't we start at the beginning? You're from Utah, um, born and raised uh, till what age? Um, I stayed. I stayed through college, actually. Okay. I went to BYU, I went to B- yeah. I went to BYU for a year and a half, and then I left and transferred to the University of Utah, um, where I went to go study dramaturgy, and and I graduated from there, and then I moved to New York. Okay, and so, and what yeah. the 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 adolescence of of Utah? Um, I don't know, you know, what type of family that you grew up in? Were they artists? Were they professionals? How was that? Was there a clash or anything? Well, I have I have seven siblings. I'm the youngest of eight. Yep, and my mother, my dad is a contractor and a builder. My mom was a writer or is a writer and a photographer, um, but just, you know, for herself sort of. And she did teach, she taught photography at my high school and she had a column, a weekly column in the like local paper my whole childhood under an assumed name uh, because it was kind of like she offered some unpopular opinions about utah culture and mormonism and things not you know nothing terrible but she didn't she wanted to protect her and and our and the kids um also from anyone knowing who was saying it um and she kind of came out when i was i think in fourth grade and it was a huge deal it was like my 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 fourth grade teacher like was read her columns religiously and was like that's your mom oh my god um, oh my gosh! Oh, wait, were, was she? Did she? What did she have backlash, or was it a? Oh, she, she like a lot of support. I mean, I think she had backlash anyway. <laughs> yeah, she was. She's a ballsy woman, and also she was like a convert to the Mormon Church. Who did not grow up in Utah and moved to Utah, and so she was all. She was. We were maybe a little on the outside for that reason, which maybe was a good thing. Maybe it was a bad thing, but. Um, so, so yes, my mom was sort of an artist, but none of all of my siblings are most, almost all of them are social scientists, like social workers or yeah. work in political science. So I feel like, so I joke or say that, you know, they studied one part of human psychology and I decided to study a different part. I was going to say is, there's, there's real, there's such a relation between all that. My, I have, I have seven, eight brothers and sisters too. And a lot oh of my God. social, you know, they're very much into that, the helping and the, the, you know, humanity and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. Eight. Um, you have eight. Yeah, baby. Where Irish are you Catholic. from? Uh, Indiana. Oh my gosh. Well, That's we had lot. to run the farm, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, oh, sure. <laughs> Somebody's got to make the his uh-huh. his wedding. It was so hard to keep track of everybody. Oh, for sure. I was like, "Did I meet you yet? Did I meet you yet?" Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm such one of you. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, you have yeah. a twin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, <laughs> all of the things. I mean, I think that that's how it is at my house with my parents too. They're very much like, "Which one are you?" I don't. Who are do you, do you know how to tie your shoes yet? Yeah. I can't. Remind me when did I see you last? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Is, you had me. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So, so, but they were uh, when you when you came out to to mm-hmm. say this is like what I'm interested in. This is what I want to do. Um, was there support? Uh, what was the what was the kind of progress into BYU and? Well, I think that they still sort of are are like you're really gonna you're really doing this for a living. Uh, 
you call with real, like a new credit, yeah, like, a new, a new so show, and they're like, so you're, yeah, you're but, really so going to. What are you like actually doing? Um, <laughs> there's still. Mom, I'm literally that. on TV and Broadway <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> I know, but is this sustainable? He's got his little shows, you know, mm-hmm. he's having yeah, fun. Exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. That's There's a little bit of that. There's definitely a little bit of that. But my siblings, <laughs> but they're supportive. They come to see things, and yeah. you know, they they none of them have come yet, but they will. They'll come out. You know, COVID has definitely stopped a lot of that from happening. But um, so they've always they've always been supportive. And I, you know, my older brother, the brother just older than me, he like took singing lessons, and he was a good singer, but just decided to not go into it, like I did. Gotcha. And so how was BYU when you got there? Did you hit the ground running? Did you hit some walls? Did you know that you were definitely doing this? Was it easy? Was it hard? What was the experience like? Well, I, I went to BYU and I knew that I was kind of going to leave the Mormon church, but I still went to BYU and, um, and I was there for about, I was there for a year and a half and I was studying musical theater and I kind of, I actually was a transfer student from, I took my first year of college was at Southern Utah University, which is where the Utah Shakespearean Festival is because I wanted to study with the Utah Shakespearean Festival people. So I did that for a year, transferred to BYU. Because I was a transfer student, I was able to take like all the senior capstone classes for my major, but I would have had to like spend another year going back and kind of taking the rest of the classes and I didn't want to do it. And I was kind of ready to leave BYU. And I had this opportunity to go to University of Utah and study dramaturgy. And I've always been, I love theater and I do love musical theater, but like, I wasn't a musical theater kid. I was like a theater nerd kid. So I, I like the chance to go like read a whole bunch of textbooks about <laughs> philosophy and theory and, and I love uh, that was very exciting to me. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I, um, I was very excited to go and study. Most kids there. are so into it. <laughs> you know, the new shows coming out and you're like looking in the back of Sam French books. Like, did you know that these shows were also in these theaters? Did I, like all the, like the, the, the nerdy mm-hmm. stuff. I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. My favorite. So, <laughs> so it was great. And then also in between there, I went to Russia for, for like a, uh, a year to go study acting at the Moscow dramatic arts Academy. Um, Nice. That was actually before, that was while I was at BYU. That was like in the middle of my time at BYU. Okay. And Gosh. and so you were performing, obviously. Were you, were you booking roles? Were you behind? I mean, some people graduate, they go off and do, you know, wonderful things, but they go back and think about their acting school, whatever school they went to, and they weren't really booking much. What was your success or failure like? Well, in Utah, you know, I mean, I guess there were kids and like kids that I knew that had gone, who had like dropped out of school to go be in a Broadway show, a couple of people. But I, I don't know. I think that I, I was, wor- I was doing like regional kind of theater all through college and get, getting my points. And so I could get my equity card before I was done with school. So I was spending like some summers at regional theaters and stuff and having some success, you know, like, um, getting good getting good roles and things but i still didn't when i decided to move to new york i i didn't know anybody uh particularly because i'd studied dramaturgy and was kind of like i don't know if i'm I'm gonna be an actor and (laughs) i still i'm not positive and i so i went and really just like hit the ground going to every single open audition i could possibly go to and I went to, you know, I was going to like two or three auditions a day back when you just had to kind of show up and sign up for a time and do it. Oh my God. Back in the day when I was an actor. uh, Yeah. We've had a few people on and they're like, I would get up at 3 AM get there for this time because at the time I was non-equity and the soup and line, so maybe the soup line I would get seven, seven in the day. morning. So. <laughs> and now it can all be done online. I think there's an app for all that now. It's like, oh my gosh. So, crazy so was that move to New York? Um, was that just such coming from Utah? Was that just such a breath of fresh air for you? Was Did you always know like New York is where I want and need to be? 
Yes. Uh, definitely. I, you know, I was always drawn to big cities and, um, you know, I, and, and was, I was also a foreign exchange student in high school. Cause I just like wanted to get out of Utah. So I lived in France for a year doing that. Like I knew that I wanted to leave and I knew that I wanted to go to New York. New York was like my place. And I had one really good friend from growing up who had moved to New York and she I was like, Oh, she's so fancy. Everything. She's living the, she's living the dream in New York city, you know? Um, so I did have that one person, but I, uh, but I, I think that I always wanted to live here and I think that I will always live here. I mean, I, I love it. Although now I have a house upstate and that is very attractive <laughs> to be able to get yeah, into. It's, it's nice to it. have a respite, you know, I mean, especially from someone who's not from the city to just have a little taste of home, whether that's just an absence wow. of concrete, you know? <laughs> yeah. See some trees. Right. Things like right. that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you got here, what was the thing? Did you have the showcase? Did you have a, you know, what? No, none of that. I didn't have any of that. And like I said, I truly, I didn't know any actors. I mean, I didn't know anybody. Um, I knew like a couple of people that I had done regional work with and I found out from them basically like how to go to the audition line and where, you know, but I also had no money. So I, I, actually right after college, I was trying to decide if I wanted to move to New York officially. And I was, you know, like kind of nervous to go And me and my then boyfriend, um, spent seven months backpacking around Southeast Asia, like sleeping on park benches and you've had a hell of a gosh, or even well, well, well before your thirties, you were like, traipsing. before you, were you said, I don't want to be in Utah and you did everything I in the world out. to not be in Utah. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> No, but while Russia, I, while France, I tra- Asia, yeah. oh, Amalfi for a month, whatever. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> no. And oh, so I'd done all this, like I'd spent all my money on that trip. And um, so we came to New York, had no money. I was just working the worst jobs and I worked all of them. I Tell worked your all worst the- one. It would be a struggle to, to pick one, but I, okay. um, but Good, probably the worst, right. the worst one was I was a French and Russian tutor for kids and wow it was for like filthy rich kids living in the top of towers and they were awful and they hated it and they didn't want me to be there and i was just there to help them pass their like i can't remember the name of it but like the 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 exit exam for regency tests is that what it's called anyway i don't know these like exit exams you know for high school and they hated it. And one kid who partic- who was just awful and miserable started, it only happened twice, but he paid me addition to addition to what his parents were paying me. He paid me so that he didn't have to do anything. And I was like, you know what, kid, I hate you. Yes. I will yes, take I your do. money. Sit over there and do whatever you <laughs> want to do. I'm going to be on my phone. I don't care. Look this is you. your problem. If you don't want to, if you don't want to learn anything, I give up. Did he and, pull out uh, a wad of cat? He he just had money. He just was like, "Here you go. Here you can enjoy." Yeah, it. I think he gave me fifty bucks an hour for the hour oh to not do God. it. Amazing. Yeah, I hated him. Um, he was the worst. I hope I wish him all the unsuccess in the world. Uh, so, oh, but I love, I love everyone. You. I don't hold grudges. Uh, no. But that oh was probably God. the worst. How do you think he got like, that house upstate, Adam? Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, just a child paying an adult like please study. go away adult can you okay. imagine the oh privilege involved with being like i am 16 look starving person <laughs> a I'm child being sick. like what's it take what's I'm it take sick. put a number out there I, we have oh a cleaning lady that that is like a hundred dollars i'm like i can't i'm sorry oh. you know and this kid's mm-hmm. just like here you go here's here's, four, here's 50 please. bucks i just don't want to talk Jesus. to you I'm like i don't want to talk to you um, but that, and then also, I mean, my most shameful, my most shameful employment moment was the first job I had was working as a bartender. And I was a kid from Utah who didn't start drinking till I was almost 30. I knew nothing about alcohol, you know, like, and so I, but this guy who got me the job was like, 
tell them that you have bartending experience because you get paid more and all you're doing is going to parties, opening beer and pouring wine. It's not a big it's, deal. Yeah, you know, it's like very simple. Yeah. You're not making yeah, that he, he was not correct. He was not right. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my first job with the company was bartending at a private party in a like gorgeous, still probably the most beautiful, enormous apartment I've ever seen in New York city. And, uh, by myself that kid was there and he was like what are you doing I, here <laughs> can you get me a vodka tonic exactly and he just slipped me he's like i know i'm a child but uh and um i didn't know anything i had to and you know this was sort of this was before you could really google things on your phone um you could uh, like i was no it was it was just before you could google things on your phone so i was texting friends like hey what's in a doers and soda? I remember that one particularly. Somebody said, can I get a doers and soda? And I was like, you're like, uh, what is that? Does that have vodka soda. in it? Does it have chartreuse? I don't know. There's this pink thing. I, cherries are good. He probably wants a cherry in it. Majorly fired. I can only imagine what all of those oh. people were thinking when I was just like, here's a glass of alcohol. It has Maybe a, it's the color you wanted it, it to yeah. be. And maybe it's the color. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh man. It's part yep. of, you know, it's part of living in the big city, right? Those jobs you just got to drudge through. And you're around so all you're, that money and it's so oh bad because you're getting paid pennies, yeah. 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 So you're doing all this what on the theater on the acting side is that in any way picking up steam or going anywhere at this point or No, you know, like no agent, no, nobody helping me. So I just was going to these auditions every day, every day, pounding the pavement, pounding the pavement. I kind of said I would give myself a year. And, um, and about six months into going to all these auditions every day, and I had booked some like small things, like some regional things, but I decided I was living there with my boyfriend. I was like, I don't want to leave town yet. I just got here. You know, I don't want to leave town for two months. I literally just moved here. So I kind of, I just, didn't do i was like i'm gonna wait and see you know and about six months in i was totally exhausted and was like i don't think i can do this anymore i'm so tired of doing all of these auditions every day and i had booked like i was in the on i had booked that summer to go be in the ensemble at the sacramento music circus of a couple of shows i was like great i don't know i have a job coming up you know and a friend of mine had signed me up for um, an open call for something. And it was Roadshow at the Public Theater. It was Stephen Sondheim's like new musical that had been around for a while, but had never been in New York. And it was at the Public Theater and it was a big deal. And I was like, I'm not going to go. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to get that job. And also I'm just exhausted. And he called me that morning and he was like, get your ass out of bed, you lazy fuck. <laughs> and come to this audition we'll go to breakfast afterwards just stop being so lazy and i was like okay so i went down fine there. steven sondheim i'll uh, come fine. jesus you know no it was not it was like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant was like signing me in. although the real casting director actually to his credit jordan thaler was his name sat through all of the auditions all of the open call auditions and he's like the casting director of the public he is a very good man so i went in everything went wrong i was like very i had to wait till the very end because i was late and they had the wrong like they just hand him a stack of headshots you know and i went in and he wasn't even look he was the headshot was facing me and it was not me he was reading the resume on the back and it was somebody else's and so i and was like, like hey you can't really you're like no you like go in you sing you leave it's like yeah you, you can't have, you know, say one sir minute. you're yeah no they don't they want you to so i went in and and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I sang my song and I was like, hey, just so you know, you're not looking at my resume. They're out of order. Bye. See you. you later. God and bless he was like, you wait, 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 wait. Where's your resume? Which one? What's your name? And he was like, went through it. And you know, it's funny. I mean, no, he would have found my resume anyway if he wanted to. But, but then he found my resume and looked through it and he was like, okay, all right. Thank you. Bye. And I was like, and then they <laughs> called me back and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. He probably feels bad because they screwed exactly. up the things or whatever. Hit my call back. back. Yeah. Did the same thing I did before. Great. And I got, I think I had four callbacks and every time there were more and more people in the room. And then for the last callback, they said, you know, prepare this scene and then mm -hmm. just any Stephen Sondheim song. And I had played Jack in Into the Woods when I was in high school. So I went in and sang Giants in the Sky, which ended up being the perfect song 
because it's very similar to the song I ended up singing in Roadshow. Um, but went in and did it. And I think the fact that I thought there's just, and in fact, this is true of many things that I've booked in my life, that I was, I went in like, I am never going to get this job. Who cares? When you take and desperation out the of the equation, it yeah. just, you're free. You're free. There is, so, you can feel yeah. it on somebody too. Like when you oh, take yeah. that out, there is an air there that's not tr- overly trying to impress and all those things where they're like, just do your audition. But, you're cool. Yeah, you don't, but, don't have but to. Clay, you know. like, usually that comes with someone who like, you're in there for 10 years and you get hit, 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 hit. And then you get in and you're like, I don't fucking care anymore. This is more important than that you're young, you, you still just kind of got here and you're, you're at that point where you're like, this is not going to define my day here. I'm okay with saying, I don't, I don't give a, it's not going to work. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I, think, that's great. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that maybe it was one benefit of, of having not gone to like a fancy school where I felt a lot of pressure to succeed. There was no way I was going to succeed. I was some kid from Utah with a dramaturgy degree. Like there was no way I was going to make it. So I think that actually for me, it was very nice because I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, and um, and then they called me back and called me back. And then finally Stephen Sondheim was in the room and I was like, oh, wow, you're actually serious. That's crazy. And then I was at Sacramento Music Circus in the ensemble of this show, you know, in, in the ensemble of Sweeney Todd. And got the call. It's a big ensemble was, show. It's a big ensemble show. And I got the call that I was like, the casting director called and was like, I don't have your agent's number. Am I supposed to, who should I call? And I was like, what's an agent? I don't, you just talk to me. I don't know. And he was like, okay, so we're offering you this job and we need to negotiate the contract with you. And I was like, I need to negotiate the contract. What's that like? And he was so nice it's still this is all jordan thaler walked me through the whole thing he was like okay here well let me just you'll get paid a dollar exactly you only have to pay us a hundred dollars a week (laughs) and we're gonna let you be in our show isn't this amazing news is that how this works oh my god what an opportunity for you clay that's actually so you're you're in sacramento (laughs) doing sweeney todd a stephen sondheim show and then you get booked in new york in was one of the starring roles of the, this, the brand new Steven Sondheim that everybody, I mean, I remember that final callback being in the room with just like every person I respected who I was, all the Tony nominees I'd seen on Broadway, you know, like I, speaking of not, you know, there's no chance I'm going to get this job. And then I also had to tell people, I was like, you know, I just got cast in this show at the public. Theater. And several people didn't believe me and were like, you're doing what? And I was like, I, yeah, I'm playing the, you know, like the young kid in that show. And they were like, huh? <laughs> what, you? What? Who are you? But so that oh was my, my first gosh. job. That was my, and actually it opened on the year anniversary of my move to New York, which is crazy. So I said I would give myself a year. I love that. A year I, in, yeah, that's true. You did wow. say you were going to give yourself a year, huh? I booked, I opened my first big show in New York. Wow. Yeah. And that was that. That was downhill from there. I mean, that's incredible. Up up and down and up and down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As it goes, as it goes, it's very hilly. (laughs) Well, yeah. Let's talk about that. You know, you what? I think what happens a lot. First of all, I want to say you're the friend who called you to say, "Hey, come on, we'll go to breakfast after." Adam Ronda Stefano. Ronda Stefano is his name. I should say it out loud. Who? What was his name? Ronda Stefano. Ron. So Adam, we've had a couple of people that we've interviewed where they weren't going to go to the audition. I think Jackie was one and there was somebody after, um, and, and a friend was like, come on, let's go. And then, and then that was the thing that they booked. But I really do believe that you are at the rail at the, at the, at the wheel, but there are other people in your life who are helping you and they don't even know it. They're just there. They're just on the path with you. Um, had you not gotten that call, you know, like that, it's just an incredible thing always when we dissect people's path that like, it's, you sung the song that you already knew from high school because you were, you were committed back then too. And that happened, that happened with Michelle Dowdy. I mean, this is something that is just recurring. So what do we see? Like hit it hard in high school, get all the stuff in because you're going to be in a room where you need to do something. And chances are something that you've already done, you're going to do again and it's going to fit. And then meet as many people as possible who push you to do things 
rather than yeah. take you away, you know, and here you are having this, you know, this wonderful experience. So, so the ups and downs, what, what does happen often is, especially like right when you get in, you might book your first audition or, or you might book a show like kind of right out of college. But what we always ask is great. So how was the drought right after, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so what happened after? Did you totally. see a climb or did you fall right on your ass? Well, and I teach, you know, I love, I teach a lot and I love teaching. And one of the things that I like, I would say if I have a thesis statement, it is buoyancy. The buoyancy is the most important thing in this, in this career, because <laughs> you, it's, I have, I have lots of friends who like booked a starring role in a Broadway show right out the gate and then just never worked again because they just, they thought they had made it. And then when they have to like go and audition for a much smaller role in an off Broadway show, they're like, I don't want to, but you realize that like, if you want a career, you're going to do all sorts of things all the time. And you have to just, you know, I say, I say yes more than I say no to things right. because I think that work leads to work and, um, you know, being, you're always making connections and you're always, if you're, if you're always saying yes to things and trying to do everything you can, then you're meeting people who might be your next job. And exactly. And it's, it's, it's frequently it's, not the person you think it's going to be. It's frequently <laughs> not the person you think it's going to yeah, be. Yeah. It's such a, it's, it, it's like a fact. I mean, last night I had a production meeting and I realized that everybody in my meeting of what I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is from something else. A film festival that I went to, I met this person. Uh, be, moving to New York, I met that person and I get brought up and I, I continually then go back to, oh, I don't need to hop on that. Come on. I'm kind of busy. And I still fall into the trap of thinking that I'm going to make my own success when I'm looking at all of the stuff that I've done. And it really is half of it is from just knowing somebody from the thing before. And mm -hmm. man, if that's not one of the things that we constantly say, Adam, it's like, look around the room and try to meet somebody because chances are that person's going to come right back, whether you're yeah. going to come to them or they're going to come to you. And it's wild. In our last few episodes where we've had TV and film people primarily. Clay, like what you were just saying where, you know, you get to a certain level and it's like, mm, I'm not going to do that audition because it's a co-star. We've had so many people on this show who, for whatever reason, were like, fine, I'll do the one line thing or one episode thing and booked it. And it was literally, you have one day on set or, you know, one week. And that one job turned out to be several seasons of work for somebody because they went, they did their job. They were cool. They were nice to everybody. The production liked having them around. And then their agents are going, Hey, uh, you're actually going back to that set. And it was mm -hmm. like, but you mean for that day job that I had? And they said, I literally booked a one day thing and it turned into 22 episodes on this show or whatever. Wow, so geez. the, the, the point being, you never know, right. right? So don't discredit that like, well, it's just one episode. Because mm -hmm. my God, if we had a lot of people on the show who it was, great, I get to work this week. And then I'm going back to normal. And it turned out to be a huge break for them where they got to come back and back and back. So you never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that is absolutely true. So take us through um, the ups and downs of the next couple of years. We're obviously going to be talking about some some wonderful accomplishments that that have transpired over your path. But, you know, as you end this show, what's coming up for you? What were the struggles? Give us kind of a yeah. timeline of the things that you hit. So right after that, I had I got my first agent then from that show. From the show. Start, from the show and started working with them. But, you know, there was still a lot I didn't know about auditioning. Um, and auditioning for open calls and auditioning for agent appointments are two very different things. You know, like learning to prepare yeah. material to go in was something I wasn't used to doing on, you know, such a frequent basis. And I had no experience in TV. So I'm going in for those things, like trying to figure out what the TV audition is like. And that is very difficult. And um, did you have that clay? Can you bring it down? Can you bring it down? Uh, like, were you doing uh, like very theatrical? We've had people on who, who, you know, were very theater oh. and they started going in for TV and film and. Sorry, sorry. Just one second. Hi. Yo, come in. Hey, do you need Bring to be in, in here? Well, I'm doing oh, you are. Okay. So I'll come back later. Is that okay? So this is just an hour. The, oh, you're doing something. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, is that, is that okay, Laura? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. 
That was my dresser who is amazing, but she's doing day work. Of course, I didn't know that was happening today. Um, so yes, yeah, so I had my first agent um, going to auditions for the first time. Oh, did I have people, you know, I don't know. I've always been a, I have been called Chekhovian on more than one occasion <laughs> for being a little, um, I don't know. I'm not a large actor for better or worse. And for oftentimes it's worse, but, um, but I, but I did get a lot of like, you need to be a little more prepared or uh, because I just didn't know, you know, it took, I'd never, and in a friendly way, I'm sure some people were not friendly. Uh, I will, I will never forget one director, one very important director who during my audition got a phone call, picked it up and talked on the phone through the song I was singing. I won't say who, um, but I will never forget. I love it. I will never work for that person. That's kind of stuff Um, I see in like TV and film is like a trope. And I'm like, that would never happen. So it shocks me when I see stuff that, or when I hear stuff like that. And I'm like, people do that. Yes. But also this, during this time, speaking of, I mean, this was back when pilot season was a thing and I went out for pilots. I went to LA for pilot season for my first time, which was brutal, brutal, brutal. They are not, they are not easy, especially back then. I mean, this was just 10 years ago, but it was different. It was a very different time. And, um, and I did, I went through a drought. I went, I didn't work for another, I didn't work well, I did like I did readings and workshops and things. I didn't have another like show booked for a year. Uh, and so I booked my first show a year later. And it was also sort of like a flood of events where I didn't book anything. And then suddenly I booked. I went in for for Bonnie and Clyde. And I went in for a different role. I was just about to go out of town to do Moises Kaufman did a, did a production of into the woods that he was trying to make a revival out of. And I went and did that. I was, I mean, I was booked that. And then I got this audition for Bonnie and Clyde for a different character than I ended up playing in the show. And I went in and I remember reading the script and thinking, Oh, I shouldn't be playing this guy. I should be playing that guy. Uh, but you know, whatever went in and auditioned. They were like, can you wait outside for a second? They came outside and said, Hey, <laughs> Here are some sides for this other guy. Look over them. Just like take a few minutes to look over them, but then come back in. And just so you know, this person has already been cast. There's somebody already cast in this role for the out of town production in La Jolla, but we're doing this workshop. He's unavailable. So we thought maybe you would be good for it. And I was like, sure. The stakes couldn't be lower. Right. (laughs) But I had, but I had read the script, so I didn't need to, I didn't need to prepare other than I, you know, they knew I wasn't going to be memorized, but I had already read the script. So I knew the guy, I knew who they were talking about and what he was about. And I went in and I just remember making them laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And pretty much on the spot, they were like, great, will you do the workshop please? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I did the workshop and then they took the role away from the, they took the offer away from the other guy and, just gave it to me. And I used to feel so much guilt about that, but the guy has gone on to be huge. Like he went right into American idiot on Broadway. He's had huge yeah, success. Fuck him. He's, a very he's, successful fine. he's, okay. he's <laughs> fine. He is totally fine. I was very like, Oh, this is bad karma. This is not a good thing to do, but he went oh. right into it. It was fine. But because it just was like, it was right. It just sat right on me. I was that guy. I was the perfect person for it. You know, like, and I do believe that's true that, you know, like you can, you can shoehorn yourself into some roles. Sometimes you are just the person they're looking for. And yeah. it's the best so, feeling as an actor too, where it, it just, it's like, it's just like breathing. It just, like you said, it sits on you so perfectly. It's a great way of putting it. You know, those roles are oh, the best where. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah, when you, so when you know that about, about when that's the truth, in your head, then you can apply that to when you don't get it. And you say, I mean, when my, when my buddy Lucas got a, a job that we were in the uh, running for, it, it just changed everything. When you realize he was perfect for it. He was absolutely, I, that wasn't mine to get. I was just in the mm-hmm. running for it. I'm just part of the thing, you know? Um, 
but it makes it yeah. easier. And it sounds like you have a really, even from the get go, you had just this really rational and reasonable idea uh, of the expectations. You didn't really have money expectations. You you had a pretty good idea of like what this was. You took the kind of stakes down and it sounds like you, correct me if I'm wrong, when you didn't get things that you handled them pretty well, better than other yeah, actors. I mean, I mean, yes and no. I mean, uh, in in hindsight, it's I'm like, yeah, I was good at that. Oh no, I didn't I, kill myself. Like, I got upset. Right. But you know what? The thing is, I you know I had to always work. I had to always have a side hustle job. Right. And having a side hustle job was so helpful because I had something else to worry about. I had something else to think about and something else with higher stakes than an audition. Get a side job, volunteer, do something away so that you yeah. not about your audition. I, it puts I your mind say, somewhere else, which is such yeah. a big part of surviving this business is not the, why am I not getting that email? Why am I not? Why is my phone not ringing? Because your brain is literally somewhere else. In here, and it your just, brain is you know, just, yeah. Yeah. And it is that it is that desperation thing where it's like you can get yourself very upset about not getting a role or not getting a callback, but it doesn't have anything to do with you. Like they had already cast it, yep. or it's some cousin is going to do it, or they've already <laughs> like the guy who wrote it's going to play it. You know, like you don't know. Mershka Hardigay's assistant that happened sure had to come in. So, so it was nice to always have like something that I needed, something else to worry about. And I I think that having a day like don't quit your day job. I I kind of say, don't quit your day job until you've made it and you're never going to make it because there's no such thing as like arriving in your career. People think never. they've made, you know, like there's no such thing as making it. Every single person who makes it, makes it that level is looking at the level above them. It just is the way it's always going to be. And uh, I still, there's have, always like, another rung on the jobs. ladder. Yeah, yeah. I still have side hustle jobs that I keep. Um, so that. Working actors deserve affordable and convenient coaching. That's why we created Book It, America's fastest growing one-on-one -on -one remote acting coach service, all from your device. We're not just coaches, we're working actors too. From Broadway and voiceover animation to TV, film, and commercial. Real actor coaching from real actors, catered especially to you and your path. Anytime, anywhere, we're here to train you, to guide you, to prepare you, to book it. For more information, visit workingactorpro.com slash book it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so Ups and uh, downs. What, where are we in, in the, in the, in the timeline? Or, yeah. So I had booked, so I did this production of into the woods out of town in Kansas city where I met my now husband. And then I went right to La Jolla after that to do the first out of town of Bonnie and Clyde. And then I came back to town and I booked the Carrie Diaries and I was on the Carrie Diaries second half of the second season and shot all that. And then Bonnie and Clyde, uh, we did another out of town and then we made it to Broadway and I made my Broadway debut in that show. And um, when it rained, it poured for you. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I feel like it's happened that way often in my life. Um, and I think that there's something to it and something to the fact that you you get into a place where you like after you audition and it's every time you return to auditioning, it's like this, you return to auditioning and you're not great at it and you do 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 it and you get better at it. And then you get really good at it. And sometimes you book like three things cause you've gotten really good at it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. again, cause it's not, it's not you, you have to practice. Like I haven't auditioned in a while because I've had this show and Gilded Age on the horizon and when I go back to auditioning, I'm going to be bad at it again. Cause it takes a while to remember how to be good at it. Another, another great, it's a different muscle for you because actors would be like, why am I not auditioning? Well, I must be not good. So I'm going to leave. But for you, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be easy when you get out of something. It's like going back to the gym. It's like, this is fucking awful, but yeah, in yeah, two yeah. weeks you're, you're killing it, you know? And right auditioning on. is not acting. It is not acting. Auditioning is auditioning. You know, it's it's a very different thing. And what do you think, Clay? Like, what changed for you? I know it's easy to say you keep auditioning and you get better at it. For me, you sort of have this familiarity of the formula. Whatever room you're in, whatever read you're doing, you do it enough. You sort of just apply everything, and it, everything's kind of familiar. What what got you better at auditioning? 
was it just doing it and and being familiar with the adrenaline until it kind of subsided and it didn't really affect you? Were you trying new I, things? I I call it rejection sensitivity training. In that <laughs> you have to get you have to learn what Clay it's from like HR to be, is here. I know. I'm here for your rejection sensitivity <laughs> training. You have to keep you have to remember. So what I didn't it's book like. it. No, yeah, you didn't. No, you didn't. Huh? And in fact, sometimes I'll just ask my friends to tell me that. No, I. But you have to get used to what it's like to like want something desperately, put your heart and soul into it, and then not care. Yeah, all at the same time. In the best and way, that's because so it has right. to be all of those things. It has to be yeah. all of those things. You can't entirely not care because then you'll be boring. You can't care so much that it's going to like be detrimental to your mental health. So part of it is that practice of getting rejected and rejected and rejected so that when you know how to do the prep work so that you're entirely ready and have, have prepared something interesting, but then you can go in the room and be like, but this doesn't matter. You've probably already decided. So let's just have fun for, let's just have five minutes of doing something together. Who knows what's going to happen. So you're caring about the moment and about the, the craft and about the performance and about whatever this is here, but you're not caring about what comes after it? What do I get after? And when you do that, you're taking away yourself out of the, the ego, out of the experience. And it's more service than anything. It's, I love this thing. So I'm going to care so much about this, but I don't give a shit about that. I care mm -hmm. about this. And maybe that's and you what, know they what? when they say you got to care and you got to not care at the same time. Yeah. And you know, I think that the tell that I most frequently see, and not to put judgment on what other people's process is, because I don't know, but I will say that for myself, I see it in myself that when I am sitting in the audition room with the side in my hand and I'm frantically memorizing it, I know I'm going to be awful. Because if you are worried about, it's not a memorization exercise. They're not calling you in to see if you're, you can memorize. You should have been memorized two days ago, unless you didn't get the audition until right before. But if, I am, if I'm worrying about saying the lines right, I'm never going to worry about being doing something interesting in there. And how are you going to do something that is entirely different than the 50 other people that have done it that is not crazy because the other part is you can't just be like i'm gonna do it in an accent and have a funny walk because that's not interesting that's just choice for choice's sake but how are you diving into this character how are you pulling something from it what are the interesting questions you are going to ask the casting director when they inevitably say do you have any questions you know like these are the you have to have thought about it and if you were just sitting in the dress or in the waiting room, like trying to figure out if you've memorized it enough to say it, then look down at the paper, put your paper down, start thinking about the thing. You realize you're not going to be memorized and that you're going to have to look down at your paper and pull your lines and then say them, say them with your eyes open to the camera after looking down at them. But, you know, like that, that to me is always, I know that when I'm sitting in a dress, sitting in a waiting room with my legs crossed and I'm kind of like, ready to do this yeah that's when i do my better work it's kind of a revelation you come to that point and it might happen in your first year it might happen in your 15th year <clears throat> but forget about the lines is some bullshit that we hear all the time until you hear it for the first time in mm -hmm. a different way and it is until you learn it yeah until you yeah. you embrace this this revelatory idea that it isn't the lines it's about what's here and then you disconnect from the lines and then you're free but like I said, sometimes it can it can take 10 years. Are you willing to just keep going, come up to the plate, come up to the plate? That's baseball, Adam. Um, you know, keep going, keep going, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah How great. many times can you float back up to the top and keep going? Right. That's swimming, Adam. Um, so uh, sports. I <laughs> hello. I don't sports know. ball. All right. So where are we in terms of uh, when we start to transition to the on-camera world? You're starting to book some. Did Bonnie and Clyde? Oh yeah, did Carrie Diaries? Bonnie right. and Clyde on Broadway, and then, and then I did, um, you know, I did a lot of like regional things and off Broadway things. Some really cool off Broadway things that I'm very proud of. Um, so you went from Broadway to off Broadway, right? Oh yeah, and back yeah, and you again, were okay back with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have to be, you know, and um, you know the more interesting things I've done are off Broadway, you know, like, cause that's just the way it works. I think maybe that but it goes back to what you said Adam. earlier about people who maybe get to a certain level and then you, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who go, well, I've booked Broadway. I'm never going below that bar again. 
and you're yeah. like, well, you have to work. Like yeah. the venue is only, you know, like what does the venue have to do with it? If I'm more interested in this work that is off Broadway and I think is better for me, why the fuck wouldn't I go do that? Yeah. Who gives a shit if it's on or off or if it's regional, if I like it and it can, if, if it's something I'm great in and I'm interested in, why not do that? You know, like you were yeah. saying earlier, like it, it yeah. just because you get to a certain level doesn't mean you're ever allowed to go below it. No, you know? Some of the most talented actors I've worked with are people who live in regional cities who work at regional theaters. Some of by, by far the most talented people I know. And because they just because they didn't move to New York or exactly because because our career is the cross section of talent and luck you can be super talented and if you're just not the right person ever then you're then you never made it but you know like if you happen to be talented and a hard worker and happen to be in the right room when they're looking for you then you make it but it doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with being talented or not being talented yeah, that's really hard to know. That's really hard to learn. And I think it took me a very long time to learn that. But I, I know it's true. So, so uh, off Broadway, so, off Broadway, yeah. I got like nominated for some things in these off Broadway shows, which is very exciting. And then I did Sunday in the Park with George um, on Broadway. And during that time, we got pregnant, we did a surrogacy and we got pregnant with our son. And my husband was running a theater company in Kansas City at the time. And, you know, I'd had these nominations. I had just done this Broadway show. And I said to basically said, hey, I'm going to take off a few years because I'm about to have a kid. My husband's in Kansas City doing a really fantastic thing and, you know, running a really amazing theater company. And I'm going to go out there. And my agents dropped me. And... Uh, I signed with somebody else who was like more interested in people that, that were interested in having lives, you know, interested in actors that like want to live their life. And um, but during this, I just want to ask you, Clay, cause you know, a lot of people say, okay, well I'm, it's time to have a kid, but I don't know if I'm ready to give up my career. You know, you had the foresight to say, no, this is a life thing and I'm making a life decision. And you kind of, it sounded like you, you sounds like you did it per, with conviction. Um, in your head, you thought, no, 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 this is more important. And I know that the universe is not going to just drop me off the face of the earth in, in, with this pursuit. I'm going to come back and it's going to be fine. Did you, did you have any qualms about that? Were you afraid? Sure. I, I definitely had qualms and definitely was afraid and definitely gave up on a lot of opportunities that kind of came along that I had to be like, no, I can't do that right now. And it was not easy, but I know it's true. And also I should say, I don't think everybody should get married and have a baby. That's the life I chose to pursue outside of my career. That's the life I wanted. Some people's life is being alone, having a hamster, caring for an aging parent. There are lots of other lives to pursue that just aren't, you know, aren't getting married and having a baby. And by all means, don't have a baby. It's very hard, <laughs> but, but it's fun. But he, your son is the cutest fucking thing in the world. He's oh my the, God. He looks just like a real kid, huh? Just the best thing <laughs> I ever bought. Um, no, he's adorable. He's really great. <laughs> But that's the, that's the life I decided to chase. And I was chasing that life. And because I was chasing that life, I believe that my career was chasing me. And it has always made me feel like, like, uh, you know, Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler wrote a book and in which she says, like, if you, if you are like desperately chasing your career, your career is going to teach you, sorry, your career is going to, your career is going to teach you like a bad boy or treat you like a bad boyfriend. And they're going to not call you back and they're going to like date other people and they're going <laughs> to lie to you. I and I'm like, yes, more. that is exactly true. And just the same thing is don't quit your day job until you've made it and you're never going to make it. Like having a life is part of that, you know, like having rewards. other interests and yeah. Yeah. We've seen it all the time. I mean, I, I, the first 10 years of my life were every single day, not going to the vacation, not going to that thing because of that phone and uh, the auditions. And, and I realized, Oh my God, I, I, I decided to pursue this, to live a life. And here I am just as bad as all those people on the 48th floor. So, so you, God, I love the fact that you had this foresight to understand what really matters and to know that 
it is right. With, it is the same with all of our friends who decide, you know what? I'm going to take a couple years off. You know what? I'm going to go back home and connect with my roots again. And they get a call and they're working again. It's like, that is weird. Isn't it how mm -hmm. the law of attraction and, and if you start to just kind of do your own thing, then your destiny kind of knocks on the door and says, come on back whether, rather than you, you know, gunning. For sure. And it feels wow. very much like we're either going this way or we're going that way. And yeah. this way is I am working towards a career and I'm going to be on Broadway and I'm going to be a star. And this way is I am not at all. I'm going the other way. But New York isn't going anywhere. Move away for a year. Go like go live in Italy and I don't know, milk cows and then come back. You'll be so much more interesting. Because so guess what? There's always going to be another show. There's always going to be another episode. There's always going to be another character. It never always. ends. Yeah. But you only it get one doesn't. life. You only get one 29th year. You only get one, you know, whatever that is. And for a lot of us who have done it wrong, if we can say one thing to people, it's like, take a step back sometimes mm -hmm. because that's part of the trick. It's part of the the test is, yeah, you want this thing, but it's it's sort of an act of faith in like your destiny and all that to be okay with doing something that you know you need as a person, mm -hmm. not as an actor. And I would argue, did you do it wrong? Did anyone do it wrong? Because it's it's the paradox of the road less traveled. Yeah. You're on the road you're on because you made the choices you made. And therefore you're in the best place ever because you're where you are and you made the choices you made. Right. You know, like there's no I you know, I say any of this, this, these are my theories about how it works. It works entirely different for other people. This is for me and my mental health, the best way to look at what we do. And, and there are other people that like, it might not work for. And, yeah. and, you know, other people who like lived their twenties and thirties and maybe even their forties as a person who was just like desperately chasing their career. And then their fifties suddenly they're like, Oh, now I'm going to have a life. That's great too, you know, like right. that's wonderful. But, but it, you just, I just have to believe that it is a better idea to take some of the pressure off of yourself to be successful when you think you should be. Because you, most people aren't successful when they think they should be. It's much later. And it's probably doing something they never imagined. You know, when I teach, like when I teach college groups, college students of, you know, like a, a group of acting students who are all working together in college. Like some of you will probably be actors and that will be great. And it will be so exciting that you made it. Others of you are going to be way more powerful than the person who got to be an actor on Broadway. You're going to like cast a Marvel movie. Uh, some of you are going to direct a Marvel movie and you're going to be so much better off than that person who worked on Broadway once. So be nice to each other because you just don't know who is going to be who. And it starts to feel like the popular kids or the good kids in those college settings, the talented yeah. ones or the powerful ones. When in reality, it's, that's not the case. <laughs> I have heard so many times people say, yeah, I went to this school, that school. How was it? I got bullied a lot, actually. Like the fact that that happens in an artistic community where acceptance, tolerance, love, the art, creative, blah, blah, blah. It is very high school. And some of these kids who are in these acting schools have no idea that there's a, these people here are going to be 20 years older in 20 years. And they're going to be in this business and they're going to remember you, <laughs> you know, you got to be sure. Yeah. Yep. I bet. Oh my gosh. So I'm, Clay, I'm, you and I'm your husband, coach. you have a kid, your, your ideas, you're going to Kansas city, but mm -hmm. No, I did. I went to Kansas City. I went there and I spent two, I took off for about two and a half years. I was okay. really wow. just like there and I was writing and I was, you know, like still doing things and working out there. And I did come back to New York frequently to like do a workshop or do a thing. Cool. Um, and then, and then we decided to, he decided he did 10 years at that theater and he was like, all right, 10 years, I'm done let's move back to New York. I mean, we both made the decision to move back to New York. And so we came back and I went right into Torch Song. Um, and now here I am, right, right into Torch Song. Torch Song went into company. Into, and I booked company in Gilded Age around the exact same time. Mm. And then both of them went on pause for the pandemic. And 
You know, and then I actually, I, we ended up shooting, we shot the Gilded Age all through the pandemic, which was crazy. Um, yeah, just these big period costumes and sets with masks on all day. And, um, and then company has come back now and Gilded Age is finally out. Wow. And so how, talk us through the, uh, the Gilded Age audition process. How did that all come about were you were you feeling like rusty from tv and film auditions or how was all that oh no i mean i had come back the whole time i was doing short song i was auditioning for other things you know like i auditioned for another for several months uh you know and i like did an episode of fbi and i did a movie like in uh like a film and stuff i did some other things but um but you know, like I said, it took a long time of practice. And like most things you'll notice in my career, I mean, company was the same way. I got called in to audition for somebody else when I came in for company. But then I came in, auditioned. When I left the room, they were like, oh, he should play that guy instead. Same with Gilded Age. I went in for Gilded Age for a different character, went in, auditioned, had a call back, and then didn't book it. And then two months later, they just called me up and they're like, actually, we want you to play this guy. I'm like, huh. Oh, okay. Who is he? Like, <laughs> tell me something about him. Why am I him? Um, and you know, it's so that's it's that feel that that idea that you you audition. You're auditioning not for the job. You're auditioning for your career. You know that sort of sense of like, yeah. You just never know. You can and I get auditions frequently for parts that I'm like, I am not this person at all. This is not me at all. So I figure out how to do a good job at being me in that role because it's probably, I'm probably not auditioning for that role anyway. I'm probably auditioning for something else they're going to cast or a different role in this, or, you know, that's mostly how it goes. Hmm. Wow. Well, I would love, I mean, there's so much that you, I'm so glad that you're a coach because People, actors, new actors need to hear your perspective on a lot of things. Um, but, you know, you've got you've got people coming out of acting school, move into their markets with all the stuff that we've talked about, all the things that you've recovered um, or uncovered and, and have applied to a successful career. What would you tell them? Something important that they should be observing any any sort of golden nuggets that you think that that would help them that maybe hasn't been mentioned yet. I've already mentioned a lot of great, yeah, great advice, but I think my best piece of advice is that if you want to be an interesting actor, you need to have interesting things to pull from and you need to be an interesting person and you get to be an interesting person by doing things that aren't acting by working some weird job or volunteering somewhere or taking six months off to backpack through Southeast Asia, whatever it is, yeah. it's going to give you perspective on a different side of life. And, and that will make you more interesting. And that will make you a more interesting actor, fall in love, get your heart broken. You need to do all of it. You know, you need to do all of those things. Um, because you have to be able to draw from experience and, you know, what sets aside a really amazing singer who can kick their face? You know, in my experience, the person who's interesting gets the job, even if they can't kick that high or their voice isn't as good. Yeah, because they're working with you day in, day out. Yeah. They want, you know, yeah. It sounds yeah. like that, um, you know, a lot of people, what did Thoreau say, like most men lead quiet lives of desperation. I think at mm -hmm. least, especially for you, acting has been this, force that 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 made you live life in order to be successful as an actor you have to live life you can't sit on the couch and just kind of like hang out like a lot of people do they go to work they come home um acting for you has been this vessel of like life experience and it has nothing to do with acting and everything to do with you being a father and you traveling and you doing all these things that are enhancing your spectrum of life and now you have all these colors where if you just went to acting school and then moved to new york and hustled 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 while you past hors d'oeuvres, you just wouldn't have much to pull from. You wouldn't have much of a life. You wouldn't be much of a person. You'd be a completely different version of yeah. yourself. I you would know? have missed so much. Yeah, yeah. I would have missed so much. Oh. We're, we're so in a hurry. The, everyone in this country is in such a hurry. <laughs> and, you know, it just, 
things can take longer. And look, don't, I don't know, you like, if you want to go right from college to being in a Broadway show, that's great. But God, Broadway, Broadway's hard. You're here every single day. You know, like you've just finished college. Don't you want to like do something? I don't know. But, or, or go do that Broadway show and then go do something. You know, momentum is not, momentum is not the only thing. You're right. I mean, Adam and I t- talked in an episode just just recently. We're like, yeah, you book something and you think it's going to lead to something else. Well, let me tell you, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's just not. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, um, Clay, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I wanted to um, give an opportunity for people to find you on, on the intranet. Do you have on the internet? What have you? Yes. I am mostly on Instagram at Claiborne Elder. Um, but you can find me on on TikTok and Twitter as well by the okay. same names. Lovely. Um, but yeah, mostly Instagram is where I am. If you want to find me, Instagram is where I am. Oh, I was going to say, if you go to my Instagram too, there are links to things. Like I currently, I have a kind of little organization that gives away tickets to people to Broadway shows who can't afford to see Broadway shows. So if you want to make a donation, go make a donation there. Or if you want to maybe apply to get one of these tickets, you can go and find places to apply there. That's great. As well. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link that in the uh, in the episode. We'll put a link for that. Great. Perfect. Clay, thank you so yeah, so much. much as, so much as surviving this um, this industry is perspective, and you yeah. know, you you just have a really incredible perspective on life in this industry that I think has given you so much success. So congratulations on everything. Thank you. Thank you. Now go, now go let your set dresser in. I'm going to go let my dresser in to fix, fix my have a, for me. Have a fabulous show tonight. Break Thank a leg. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you so Clay. much for joining us, Clay. Of course. Take care. Bye. I love that he that he talked about patience. He, he was patient from the get-go. I was not. I was as impatient as possible. I mean, if I didn't have five projects that I was auditioning for, it's like, dude, how many times did I miss out on just like, breaking away, going to someplace else. And now I can do that. And he's right. Like there are no wrong choices. I'm, I'm coming to a point in my life where it's like, this is what I'd like to change for the next 10 years of my career. I'd like to, you know, I, I learned by not failing, but you know, not totally hitting it. And that's something that I want to change. So, you know, you have to sometimes go through those to get there. But for him, it was right out of the gate. He kind of had this foresight to approach the work in a certain way that, like you said, ended up with his success. Yeah. He's had such a, um, like you just said from the get go coming out of college and maybe because of what his college career was, he's had an incredibly mature mindset going into, I'm going to go to New York to do this, you know, and, and removing that, um, that utter, desperation that so many people have that, you know, you walk into a room and you can just feel it on the person, you know, and you're like, you maybe want this too bad, which look, there's nothing wrong with wanting it or the role, you know, it's just a lot of people it oozes off of them. And when you kind of come in with that ease of like, I have other shit to do today. Exactly. You know, and it's not a, I'm a better, you can I'm feel better that than this. Too. Yeah. It's more like, I'm not just an actor. And when people see that you're not just an actor, they want you, you know, he was 10 years ahead of himself. I mean, I learned totally, this stuff totally. 10 years ahead of, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, it was funny. He as as it. he was talking, I was like, that's incredible that right out of college, that's where, you know, moving to New York and starting that whole process of auditioning. It's incredible to me that your brain was in that place almost immediately. Because yeah. like you're just saying, for a lot of people, it takes uh, trial and error of years and years and years, maybe even a decade before, before you go, maybe I should pump the brakes on coming in so hot and heavy, you know, into an audition room. And he did it from the get-go, which is fucking incredible. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's really killing it right now. And um, yeah, what a great episode. Great yeah. guy. 
Lovely. Uh, well, everybody, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. You can find out more about Before the Break and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. Uh, you can see Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com. Follow him at that Adam DeCarlo. My stuff is tommybeardmore.com. You can follow me at Tommy Beyond. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating, and write a review if you like what you heard. Check back next week for an all-new episode with an all-new guest. All righty. Okay, well, that's it. See you all next week. Well, not see you next week. Uh, I'll hear you next week. Hear you? Hear us next week. All right. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.